everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about. Nick, you're up first. What did you bring? My fic for this episode is called Patient Intake by AO3 user Stark Raving. It is a fic for the Bright Sessions podcast, and it's Jen. Uh, no, no pairing here. Definitely no pairing here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reed, what did you bring for this episode? My fic is Romana Clay. I don't know. We Googled the pronunciation last time. That's what Google says it is. Sorry if that is wrong or pretentious. But Romana Clay by Ellen underscore Fremadon. The fandom is Stardew Valley. It is an Elliot Harvey fic. We are back in Reed's video game corner. I'm very excited. Brenna, what is your fic? My fic is called Names in History by LaGuardier. Um, it is for Good Omens and it is Aziraphale Crowley. So, Ficklets, usually we brainstorm our intros a little bit before the well, episode. Well, we, we did brainstorm. <laughs> yeah, so yesterday as we were doing our pre-discussion, we were like, hey, what should the intro be? Mm-hmm. We threw out some ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was ranking potatoes in the nine circles of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, There's nothing else to it. There's not like an inside <laughs> joke there. We were like, red yeah, potatoes, it was just that. golden potatoes. <laughs> I don't even know how we got there. Then we were like, well, maybe we can make this something. And we are like, we'll, we'll rank, like, fanfic tropes in mm-hmm. the Nine Circles of Hell. Not in, like, a um, like a moral judgment way. Just sort of, like... Categorization. Yeah, categorization. That's a thing that we love to do on this podcast. Uh-huh. And we sort of just did a lot of, of that. And then we were like, these are all whacker than our normal ideas. Why don't we just sort of, like, check in and say hello and what we're up to? Yeah. I mean, I should add to, like, poor Brenna, when we were having our pre-discussion, <laughs> we, as usual, discussed our fix and, like, what we wanted to say and such, and then we were like, okay, great, that was, like, 40 minutes, and then, like, <laughs> for over an hour- Two, uh, two hours. God. We regaled Brenna with tales of uh, a very unhinged AU- that Reed and I had come up with while watching Survivor from 14 years ago. Yeah, the problem is now, in the time between like 11pm last night when we hung up FaceTime, Mm -hmm. and right now when it is 7pm the following day, I have watched 8 episodes (laughs) of season 13 of Survivor. It'll get you. Okay, so Ficklets. I'm so happy. Like months and months ago, Nick and I were watching the most recent season of Survivor, which is season 40. Uh-huh. We became Winners attached. Winners at war. Winners at war. Winners at war. God. <laughs> we became attached to some of the people. And then like, I don't know, a couple weeks, a month ago, whatever mm-hmm. it was, we were like, hey, why don't we go back and watch some of the seasons where we know these people win because mm-hmm. we enjoy watching them. Mm-hmm. And then we dunked ourselves I don't know how to explain how fully feral I feel and also how feral this AU is, but, like, I have a notebook and I take notes while we watch, like, decades-old seasons Mm -hmm. of Survivor. Decades. (laughs) Well, a decade. (laughs) And some. You know, Jeff Probst in the 1960s. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeff Probst in the 1800s. <laughs> I'd buy it. Survivor has been eternal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we literally were watching seasons from, like, 2006 and 2008 and yeah. have a stupid amount of feelings about them. So we made Brenna listen to all of them, and now <laughs> Brenna's here with us. She loved it. Well, Brenna's getting getting here with us. It is an incredibly addictive TV show. Um, <laughs> the pacing is really well done for reality TV. Like, that's that's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um Watching Reed, like, as we were on FaceTime, sort of lunge for their notebook <laughs> and, like, flip through it. <laughs> there were times in which I forgot that they were telling me about an AU because the way they speak about it, like, Reed and Nick together, feels like something that they've watched because one of them will be saying something and the other will be like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when this, and it's like, but it just exists in your head. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, oh, oh, and then the scene where, like, this and this and this Oh my happens. god, that was so good. Or, like, oh, and then the, the camera, like, cuts to this yeah. shot. We had, like, like, thoughts about how it's edited. <laughs> and, like, I feel like you talk about it in past tense, like, it has happened and you've seen it. Well, I ha- I've seen it in my heart. <laughs> Many it's, times. Yeah, I think you did tell me that it was less like you created this AU and more like you discovered yeah. it. Yeah. It's like that Brooklyn Nine-Nine meme that's like, you've told us this story, like, and you'll hear it again, again. except it's like me at myself every night when I go to sleep. (laughs) I literally woke up this morning and was like, oh, here's another thing that this AU is lacking. Uh, Uh. Hey, have we been doing anything else apart from being absolutely (laughs) unhinged about old seasons of Survivor? Yeah, technically, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a graduate student, so lots of school stuff. It's gotten pretty busy. Um, but aside from that, um, just buried myself in fake exchange and fest signups. So that's cool. Nothing could go wrong (laughs) with the amount of words I need to have written before the end of this calendar year. You did also sign up for another one in... Um, you and I and maybe now Brenna are doing an exchange for one specific person for Survivor. (laughs) Uh huh. Yes. If you're familiar with old season of Survivor, please hit us up. Specifically, season thirteen and season sixteen. Maybe you'll know who we're talking about. If not, don't worry about it. If so, the DMs of the FitClick account, Twitter.com/slash/FitClick, are open. <laughs> yeah, me today abruptly deciding that I have to watch all four seasons with this person so I can have enough lore for our yeah. exchange that's just about them. But aside from that exchange, uh, I signed up for Yuletide, which I'm excited about. Um, I'm, we are recording this early. Ficklets, hello. Mm. Um, our normal recording schedule would have put us recording on election day, and that is surely not happening. So no, no. We bounced back early. I hope you're doing well in the future. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but I am about to start National Novel Writing Month. Um, again, so we'll see how it goes. It may be very poorly. Maybe by the time this comes out, I will have quit. Hopefully not. Oh no, that's well, so sad. I usually do quite well, but this year really has been a lot, so I'm, I'll do my best, but we'll see how it goes. Um, that's really my deal. Just, you know, the, the usual f- ficking, mm-hmm. chatting, having a good time. Yeah? Yeah. What about y'all? Um, yeah, I can't say I have, uh, signed up for all that many things. (laughs) Um, I'm really just doing Yuletide and our FitClick Rec Exchange. Um, so that's my second, like, holiday time event. Um, (laughs) excited about both of those, but yeah, not trying to 
put anything else on my plate in terms of fic because um, life is hard and that's enough. <laughs> um, instead, have been distracting myself as per usual with copious amounts of TV. Now, most recently, old seasons of Survivor. I see this probably taking up a fair amount of my time in the coming weeks. Hell yeah! Seeing <laughs> as um, how I've watched eight episodes in less than 24 hours. I'm so hours. sorry we've infected um, you with this. <laughs> I'm it's, not. It's okay. I'm here now and I'm enjoying it. Um, other than that, uh, reading fan fiction. Um, I've been trying to read books. That's, I don't want to say it's new for me, but it is new for me in the sense that in the last few years I have been very bad at like actually picking up and completing books. Um, so proud of myself for that. Um, read a few recently, uh, offered some for Yuletide. That was fun. Um, in the middle of reading Hair of the Ninth, feel unhinged about it, trying not to yell at my co-host too much because <laughs> it includes lots of spoilers in my brain, <laughs> and I am trying to make them read these books with me. So that's where I'm at. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Really, truly, just, like, anything I can do to distract myself from, like, real-world events. Mm. So, I'm sure you're, many of our listeners can relate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, similarly, I, I also signed up for Yuletide. Ooh, what um, a coincidence. Yeah. Maybe I'll see you there. You will. Oh. <laughs> well, you will if, okay, I signed up for Yuletide to both receive and to write for a book series that I haven't finished yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ficklets, you might recall, we did a Shades of Magic fic on the pod, and mm -hmm. I was like, this is really fun, maybe I will read this book series. And I read the first two books so rapidly, and then got bad at reading books again, mm. so I was very slowly making my way through the third, but I was like, I do really like this series, it'd be fun, so I signed up for it on both sides of Yuletide, and I... I have to finish the book, uh, so my current priority is finish the book so I can also go back and, like, mm -hmm. round out my prompts in case I got matched on that, um, and then ideally, like, I have some fics I started at the beginning of this year that it would be nice to, like, maybe finish one of them also, or at least, like, make significant progress on it so they don't just, like, die in my whip graveyard, mm. um, otherwise, yeah, apart from mainlining Survivor and feeling <laughs> feral about it, uh, I've been playing old video games. I've been playing a bunch of Fire Emblem and Pokemon and having a good time with it. So, not not a lot of exciting things happening, but as you said, Bren, just sort of trying to bury my head a little bit, stay informed, but also, like, keep myself sane. I did get very back into my Animal Crossing Island this month because uh, it's October as we're recording this, and that means Halloween uh, in Animal Crossing and in the real world, which is one of my favorite holidays, so I have been decorating my whole island. Um, it is now spooky. I love it. Oh <laughs> so that's been a good distraction. Yes, please come over. You haven't okay. seen my island in so long. I know. I haven't seen mine in so long Oh, either. yeah. <laughs> Whoops, that, that March Animal Crossing craze. Mm -hmm. And then I probably stopped playing sometime around July, ripped to my island. My Switch was dead for four months. <laughs> I, yeah, I fell off a lot over the summer. And then as it got into fall, I, like, wanted to play some more with, like, the things you can, like, yeah. With the, like, seasonal things you can do in the game and, and all of that. The pumpkins are fun. We'll hang out. Um, I do peruse TikTok on occasion, and one time I got a TikTok that really called me out, and it was like, you have to stop avoiding Animal Crossing. 
You told your villagers you would be their island representative. You have to go back. You have to, like, maintain your island. And I was like, that's nice. And then I kept scrolling and maybe someday. But currently I'm playing a very old version of Pokemon, so. <laughs> we can all hang out on Brenna's Island. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, honestly, come over. I will. Okay. On Animal Crossing, sometimes your villagers talk to you about their problems. In this next fic, uh, one character also talks about his problems to a licensed therapist. Nick, let's get into your fic. So my fic for this episode is called Patient Intake by Stark Raving. It's a fic for the podcast, The Bright Sessions. Uh, the Bright Sessions is an audio drama. Uh, so it's like a scripted radio play style, completely fictional show. It's just all audio. Um, there's no pairing. It's Jen. This fic centers around Dr. Bright, who is the, you know, titular therapist. Her, the sessions, they're hers. <laughs> Um, and her patient Damien and their sort of very complicated dynamic in the show and Joan's feelings about that dynamic. Uh, before I get into giving you some more context and backstory for what you need to know, um, I'm going to give you a few content warnings. So the first one is sort of graphic depictions of violence, but in someone's imagination. So none of the violence actually takes place, but it's like fantasizing about injuring someone very badly. Um, I think justifiably, but that's beside the point. Um, and then the other content warning I wanted to give was there are a lot of themes of dubious consent. Um, it's not sexual, but because of the nature of this story and the nature of Damien's sort of like abilities, there is a lot of manipulation and um, that gets really complicated and blurry. So the fic focuses on that a lot. Um, so yeah, those are the content warnings that I have. Did I miss anything? I think that's it. Great. So the backstory that you need to know for this fic is that uh, Dr. Joan Bright uh, is a therapist and she works with people that the show's universe calls atypical. They have supernatural abilities, kind of like superpowers, um, but they're also like just normal people and this is all very secretive in this world. So um, you have... A character who is like an empath and can feel other people's emotions. You have a character who like can time travel and experience other places. Um, so there's a really wide range, but the show is, I was going to say monster of the week. That's rude and wrong. <laughs> um, it's, it's a bit procedural though, at the beginning at least, in that each episode is sort of a different patient that she works with. And one of these patients is named Damien. Damien is one of these clients who has an atypical ability. Um, his ability is essentially, it's kind of mind control. He can influence people to do what he wants. So at the beginning, Joan doesn't really realize that's what's going on. Um, and over the course of the show and also this fic, she begins to understand what's happening and why she's telling him things that she wouldn't otherwise. And he, she's letting him come without paying for sessions, etc., etc. So that's kind of their deal. Um, and then on the other side, Joan's backstory is that she used to work for an organization called the AM that was like a larger organization that worked with people who are atypical, helping them manage their abilities. Um, she worked with a woman named Ellie, who is super evil and like super hot. It's just important that you know Ellie is really <laughs> cool and absolutely completely evil. But like, I love her, but she's evil, you know? Mm -hmm. I love her, I don't support her. <laughs> 
And there was, there's some implications that they might've had a romantic history, um, in the show. Um, aside from that, Joan's brother, Mark, has an atypical ability himself. And all you really need to know about that is that while Joan was with the AM, Mark was getting help with his ability, but then was sort of experimented on and left in a coma, and then she couldn't see him anymore, and she left to start her own private practice. But she still reports back to the AM because her brother's kind of a hostage. That's a little bit more than you need, to be honest, but I really love this show, and I just wanted to tell you about it. Um, Highly recommend listening, by the way, if you're into audio drama podcasts at all. It's one of my favorites, and it's complete now. Um, There's, like, spinoffs, but the the show proper is done. So that should be... Pretty much what you need to know for this fic. There's a lot else to the show, but this fic is fairly contained and doesn't have a very large cast of characters or anything, so I think that should set you up fine. Um, before I get into my many, many feelings about this fic, I would love to know what you both thought about it. Yeah, I really, really liked this fic. I did not know a single thing about the Bright Sessions going in. I had just about as much knowledge as you all just received ficlets. I love the premise of this. I think this is a show I would very much enjoy if I just, like, gave myself the time to listen to it. Knowing what Damien's powers are before you go into the fic, I think, like, very much shapes how you read it. Like, I was reading it just just waiting for Joan to realize what was going on, like, that he was atypical and that he was sort of coercing her without her realizing into, like, sharing all of these things that she wouldn't normally. And so it's just this sort of, like, sickening feeling in the back of my stomach and... The scene where Joan does realize what's going on was horrible. I mean, like, great, like a fantastically mm-hmm. written scene, but the feeling in my stomach was awful. Like, oh my God. And it was so well done. I think this fic was so engaging in part because, like, I came out of reading it and I was like, Nick, Damien is so slimy. <laughs> but I really enjoyed reading it. Like, he was like a very compelling character and Joan was great. Sarah, the receptionist, also fantastic. We stand. I got very little of her, but what little I did get, I loved. Um, yeah, I really, I really, really liked it. And I feel like it's such a credit to the fic that it's only, it's really only a fic about Joan and Damien and their interactions. And that I could read the entire fic being like, Damien is so slimy and like, not be that, like, not have that be like a, oh, I didn't enjoy reading the fic. It was like, this character is kind of awful. And I loved reading about him. Yeah, very much agreed. I also didn't and don't know all that much about Bright Sessions. Um, so this was fun to kind of get to see a glimpse of like what what goes on in that podcast, I guess. Um, just kind of see like what the characters in the world is like a bit. Because I've heard so like, I've heard a lot of people say that they listen to it and like it over the years, but I've never actually like listened to myself. So this was kind of fun in that regard as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Damien is a really interesting character to me in this fic because, like, he absolutely is very slimy. But even as he's being creepy and manipulative, I also felt kind of bad for him throughout the fic, which I think is a hard thing to pull off. And I think this fic does it really well. Um, like, how fast I could switch back and forth between being, like, Ew, like, stop it. (laughs) But then also kind of feeling bad for him because he would say these things that, like, show you how kind of, like, messed up his self-perception is and, like, how messed up his world is inside his head. And, like, I did feel bad for him that he, like, thinks about himself and his world in those ways. Um... And, like, wanted him to get real assistance for that, but also knowing that he's not even giving himself that chance because of how he's manipulating Joan in these sessions. Um, I also really liked the sort of 
I don't want to say like twist at the end, but I guess when Joan kind of reveal, <clears throat> I guess when Joan kind of realizes what Damien is doing and like what his power is, because the power dynamic just shifts a lot in that scene in a way I found really compelling. Um, like previously, Damien had really kind of had the power in their in their relationship, in their interactions, and Damien knew it, but Joan didn't really. She just kind of felt off when talking to him and would say these things that like she didn't really mean to say and then later would be like why did I do that like I didn't mean to say that but in the scene where she realizes what's going on she ends up having so much more of the power because Damien doesn't know that there's anyone else out there with powers um and I just thought that scene was handled really well and I liked seeing the role reversal uh in that moment yeah it was so good and like the the central conceit of this fic is, is a, it's a lot of things in a lot of ways, but also it is that she just wants to hit him with her car so badly. <laughs> and, like, she's so valid. It's just interesting. Like, we, we get her side of things where she has been so violated. Like, she, she shares things that she hasn't been able to tell anybody ever because she's so locked into secrecy. As a, a therapist who can't reveal things because of ethics around confidentiality, and then the double whammy of like also being someone who knows about this world of atypicals and has people who like have shit on her, you know, like she can't be open about these things. And we get that in the fic too of him being like, don't you want to tell someone? And like some of her extreme longing to talk to him is coming from him, but you get the sense that some of it is her own loneliness too. Um, and that's a thing that's explored in the series as a whole as well. Um, her kind of isolation and her difficulty managing her emotions around things because she's so used to like holding it together and being professional and never telling anyone anything. But I just really liked how angry this fic let her be because it felt so true to character. Like she's not meek <laughs> and she never has been. And I just... There's something so good about kind of the opening scene where you see Damien from a distance and she's just like, I could kill him so easily. Um, because there is something so real about that and so, like, she's been pushed past her breaking point in a lot of ways, but she she does not run him over with her car. Spoilers. <laughs> I already spoiled a lot, but spoilers specifically for that, I guess. Um, she doesn't do it. But I love that this fic gave her space to think about and contemplate it and like not be the person who has to take the high road every single time. I get it road because it's her car. <laughs> oh boy. Nick, what you were saying about longing and Damien definitely using his powers to manipulate Joan into saying things, but also the sense you get that she sort of at least on some level wants to share these secrets. I find that so interesting because before Joan realizes what, Damien's powers are. There is this sort of narrative in the fic that, like, I'm sure if he pushed hard enough, he could get whatever he wanted out of her, but he's asking her questions, and even when she's sharing things she doesn't want to, she still is keeping some secrets. Like, he's trying to ask questions about, like, her other patients, and she is saying things that do break confidentiality about, like, the difficulty of her patients, but mm. at no point is she like, yes, and I am also a therapist for people with superpowers. Like, that is something that she guards so closely that he can't get past it, or at least, like, not with his sort of subtle attempts. Um, and there's something, and I don't remember specifically what it is, but there is a question that he asks her, and she flat out is just like, no, like, I'm mm -hmm. not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you that. And he says, like, 
oh, interesting. Like, you must feel, like, really strongly about that. And she's like, what? And he's like, ah, oh, never mind. Um, but I did think that was really interesting that you sort of get, one, a sense of Joan's, like, will, um, her, like, stubborn determination that even in the face of his, like, atypical powers, she's still able to keep some things under lock. But two, that, like, th- there is a sort of, uh, boundary's not the word I'm looking for, like, a, a fluidity. Like, there's a mm. space, it's not just, like, a, um... Damon asks for what he wants and he immediately gets it. Like, there is a level of being able to hide things from him or, like, maybe he has to push harder. I don't know. I I found that all really interesting and how much it said about each character. Yeah, he also, like, you get the sense that he could push harder and he doesn't. Mm -hmm. Because I I personally got the sense in this fic that he doesn't want her to hate him. Like, he, he has no one. He has no one in the entire world. He's by himself. He just does what he wants and takes what he wants, and it's miserable and people hate him. So, like, I think he appreciated that she was able to fight back against him, because we see that a little bit in the beginning of him being like, oh, like, you're not like the other therapists who were, like, spineless and who were in it for the wrong reasons and who, like, said all these things that I hated. Like, I like you. Like, you, oh, it's, ah, I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about how, like, some part of him really does, like, like her. And so then that final confrontation, when she's like, you, you are hor you are horrid, and I want to hit you with my car. Not in those words exactly, but that's kind of the vibe. It hits so much harder, because, like, oh, he, like, he doesn't know how to be a person. He doesn't know how to, like, form a real relationship or, like, be kind or, like, be nice or think about someone else's feelings. And then that comes back to bite him. And it's like, it's your own damn fault. But also, like, like Brenna was saying, too, it's kind of sad that, like, this is the only person in the world who we felt like he had a connection with and she wants to mow him down with her car. <laughs> yeah, and, like, one of the things that I find really interesting about Joan's anger, like, at at the very beginning, but then more so at the end when we've sort of seen everything leading up to it, is that she very much is angry at Damien. Like, there's no way about that. But she's also, like, angry at herself, I think. Because the thing about what Damien is doing is we get the sense that he can just make people do stuff if he wants, but that's not really what he's doing to Joan in that sense. He's not like, Joan, like, do a little tap dance or something. (laughs) That's not what it is. It's like, Joan, tell me these things. But then... So like the the act Joan, of have a bite of what... my steak, and she's yeah. like, "This is weird," and he's like, "Eat the steak," and she's like, "Okay, I guess it looks delicious." <laughs> but like when he's asking her to tell him things, like the act of telling is what he's pulling out of her, but like the core truths are hers, and she's angry because Damien made her tell him these things that she's had so locked down. But it's not like he's fabricating those things like they exist within Joan's like psyche and within her emotions and I get the sense towards the end that some of her anger is just that she has had these thoughts and feelings um even beyond like the anger at Damien for making her reveal them because she is obviously angry at that and it's justifiable because it's a very like violating thing that he did and especially once he starts pulling out some of her like darker not darker but like deeper secrets um the ones that she really like resisted telling and and he knows that and he still keeps pulling like that's messed up but like I think some of her anger is just at herself for like having some of these thoughts and feelings and I think that's what makes it so interesting because like you know part of the running him over is like being mad at him but part of it's just like anger in general and like I find that like a very compelling thing about her character yeah and you also get the sense like you were saying that she 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 doesn't lie 
um, and that he doesn't make her like tell lies. And even there's a point in the fic where she says like, I, I shouldn't have said that, but it felt good to talk about it. Like, I imagine that's where some of that anger mm-hmm. comes from, too, because it wasn't, it's not unequivocally this horrible thing. Like, she had been bottling it up for so long, and finally she was able to share some of her grief and her frustration and her anger. And it felt good to do it, but it wasn't on her own terms. Sorry, I'm covering my face. I have a lot of feelings about this. <laughs> I mean, I really just do think it comes back to, uh, like, what both of you have said, that, like, like, Damien sucks. This sucks. This is a horrible thing to do to someone. And when Joan realizes, like, the next session they have is brutal. Like, she opens with some stuff about, like, feeling unsafe around him. Or, oh, like, she's having drunk. Have, oh, she's drunk, but she's also <laughs> talking about, like, how she had to talk herself down from all these horrible thoughts. And he was like, how could you think I would do that? And she's like, you don't seem like you have any moral compunctions about what you will or won't do to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he more or less proves that. Um, but... At the same time, like, yeah, I do feel a little bit bad for him. I think, I mean, I'm so intrigued as to what Damien is like in canon versus this, because I wonder if he would be as compelling if we didn't have the sort of narration. Like, there was a bit where Joan is cataloging all of the things that she can see about him, and I asked Nick, like, hey, do you get any narration in this in this audio drama or no and and you said no that it's just not really it's like pretty much just like her interviews we get her therapy notes sometimes but those are still her speaking aloud into a recorder there's never like an outside perspective or like inner thoughts or anything yeah and so i I wonder if part of the reason i find damien at least a little little bit sympathetic is because i get more than just his grimy words like (laughs) you get this image of what he looks like his body language the sort of expressions on his face like there's a bit where he asks joan sort of like before she realizes he has powers like do you like me or something and he pushes a little bit because he wants that truth of like he he does want someone to like him um and i i think it's such a good example of like I don't want to say, like, a well-written villain, because, like, that feels maybe a little bit more extreme than what this fic is, but mm-hmm. I think it is a well-written character who kind of sucks, but is also, like, compelling and sympathetic, even as you know, like, their actions are inexcusable and bad. Because I think it's actually, for me, like, some of the things that he says that are the most, like, sympathetic. Like, at one point, he says, like, like, it's going to be different this time. But in the end, no one really wants to be around me. They just reflect. It's hard to give a shit about people when they're just, like, parroting your own fucking thoughts back at you, right? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, it does make you think about, like, how lonely and isolating having that power probably is. Because how can you ever trust a connection with anyone? And, like... I don't want to, like, excuse anything Damien does because it's, like, fucked, but I think at a certain level, that's what makes me, like, feel bad towards him is because I think when you think about it from his perspective, he must have this just immense distrust of other people and, like, what they're saying to him, and that's why he always, like, pulls and, like, pulls out what they're really feeling and thinking, but then those often aren't, like... Since they aren't things they actually want to share with him, that's not a real true connection. So it's like he has this fundamental misunderstanding of like what connection is, um, but he also doesn't trust like people to be able to build that with him, and he doesn't like trust himself. I think, um, and all of that like makes me feel sorry for him. Like I, I wish he. Like, it's interesting because here he is going to therapy, which is exactly what I'd be like, Damien, I need yeah. therapy. <laughs> but, like, he's not 
doing the work. He's, like, pulling all of these, like, secrets out of Joan, which, like, isn't helping him in any way. And I just think that that's, like, such an interesting thing. Like, why does he keep going to these therapists and, like, what does he want from this really and like what is he not kind of allowing himself to actually get when he keeps going to see these people and joe like tries saying that she's like like he like asks her a question and her instinct is to be like this is not helpful for you in your therapy and what comes out of her mouth is instead the answer to the question he asked but i don't know i mean he's also just like really freaking annoying because right after I copied down that quote I copied down one that was like so it's my fault no one understands me because I don't talk to enough people it's like okay Damien you know that's not what she means and like I hate when people do that when they like parrot stuff back in that like obnoxious way where it's like you know that that wasn't like the intended meaning of the sentence but you're just being a little dweeb about it Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think we can have a conversation where we're like, Damien can be sympathetic and also like just interesting while also being a slime boy. Um, and I also think in please, canon- but, but please don't confer that with slime girl. <laughs> no, sorry. That's, I don't want to mess up your branding, Brent. Yeah. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, it's, it's interesting because I think I, in canon, Damien is is very similar. He behaves very similarly to the way that he behaves in this fic. But we don't get Joan's narration. And in some ways, that almost makes him more sympathetic, I would say. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I'm thinking of just my perspective. Because we have Joan who, like, despises his guts um, in this perspective, which I think is, you know, valid of her. Um, But we don't necessarily get that absolute clarity in the show because it's just dialogue he also has a rough go of things y'all like he almost dies at one point he ends up sort of like meeting his match and is basically like a neutralized and that's a whole thing and not like killed but you know like can't really do anything anyway it's a whole thing he does not end the show on a happy note he does not get redeemed there is no redemption arc for damien and i really liked that choice honestly the creator lauren shippen has talked a little bit about how like she was not expecting for people to like damien at all Um, but I think this also sometimes is a thing that fandom does, honestly. Like, here's this grimy boy, grimy white boy, Damien is white, like, Mm. (laughs) I know it's an audio drama, but just, like, the way he behaves, (laughs) you kind of know. Um, like, just, I don't know, I think fandom can latch onto these villains and say, like, oh, they're misunderstood, oh, they deserve a chance, like, da-da-da-da-da. Um, And there sometimes can be so much more sympathy for the perpetrator of these violations than there is for the people who are actually being violated. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, people talk about, like, woobification and stuff of villains. I think that's something that I've seen a little bit in this fandom of people kind of latching onto him and being like, Damien is the one who I want to, like, tell stories about. Um, And I really, like, I think he's super compelling and I completely understand the urge. And that was why I wanted to bring this fic, I think, because it still is able to center on him, but it's not about him, like getting to be happy. Um, I mean, maybe, hey, if there's a fic where he, like, does the work and, like, really learns and betters himself, good for him. I'm so happy for him. But this is not like an, oh, he's just soft and misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not that kind of fic at all. No. Because I think that's, like, the thing for me about a lot of, like, how fandom interacts with its villains is, like, I love a redemption story as long as there is actually redemption and, like, the work is being put in by the author and by the character. I also can enjoy a, 
a fic that's just like the villain being the villain still like if you just want to write about that like that's your prerogative like go for it and I definitely have read and enjoyed fics where like the evil people just kind of keep doing evil fucked up stuff <laughs> because like that's who they are but yeah I do think that there's this trend of sort of just like ooh-ifying someone without like any sort of just cause <laughs> and it always like baffles me a little bit um yeah, and it does a lot, of, a lot of it is a question of who fandom centers and why. The Bright Sessions has, in terms of its cast of characters, super, super queer. We have, like, trans characters, we have uh, an asexual character who I love, we have a lot of just, like, general queer identifying characters, there are queer relationships on screen that, like, are really beautiful and don't end sadly. Thank you, Lauren Shippen. Um, there's diversity of, like, race and culture as well. Like, I think it does a really good job. And so in some ways it also doesn't surprise me that Damien is the one that got latched onto by a lot of people because he doesn't necessarily uh, represent um, a whole lot different from the mainstream. So that was something that was on my mind too, a little bit as I was thinking. Yeah. So on that note, um, Patient Intake is a fic that I think does a really, really wonderful job examining what I think is a fascinating dynamic in this show I loved the character work. I love that it's Jen. I love that it really concerns itself with such a specific conceit and, and sticks to it. And it is very contained and it's very well done. So I really enjoyed it. Um, bit of a different pick, I think, than, than a lot of the stuff we usually talk about, but I thought it was really cool. And I was glad to chat about it with the two of you. So my fic this episode is Romana Clay by Ellen underscore Fremadon. It is for Stardew Valley, the video game. The pairing is Elliot slash Harvey. Um, no, no content warnings on this one. Um, I don't think. It is epistolary. It is media fic. And we are back in Reed's video game corner. Please hold as I cue the theme music. Reads video game corner. We are back. It has been a while. I am so excited about this. If you are unfamiliar with Stardew Valley, the video game, it's an RPG game where you are a little character and you've been toiling away in an office and then you're like, actually, fuck this. My grandfather gave me a farm out in some distant random small town and I'm just going to go be a farmer now. And you move in and you plant crops, and you have animals, and you live in this very cute town with a whole cast of characters, um, most of whom are romanceable, um, regardless of gender, and it's very good. It's very, like, calming. It's, it's like, a very easy, low-key game, but also, like, very cute. Um, there's, like, a tiny bit of sort of magic in it. Like, there's a wizard and some little creatures who help you rebuild the town. I don't remember their names. It's been a long time since I have picked up this game. Jimmy Boo. Jimmy Boos. <laughs> what? Jimmy Boos. I'm close, I think. Oh, it's like... Jimmy Boos. <laughs> Let me look it up now. I'm too curious. Jimmy Boos. Jimmy Oh, we yeah, got there. You were really close, actually. I was right. Congrats. I know. I've logged over 100 hours in this game. I have also logged a lot Me of too, hours. Me too, but I don't even fucking know the characters. Oh, so. You're just a clown. <laughs> wow. Thank you. You're welcome. I find it very cool. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a very cute, very easy game. 
Um, two of the characters in the town are Elliot and Harvey. Um, Elliot is an author or a, an aspiring author. And so the premise of this fic is that Elliot is writing a book um, and it is, it, he doesn't frame it as such, but it is very, very thinly veiled self-insert fan fiction about himself and the residents of this town. Um, and so what you get in this fic is um, emails, not just from him, but like from other characters. You get interviews, you get excerpts of his book, you get some like uh, text messages between people. It's epistolary. It's, it's like a lot of different forms of media. Um, I found it just delightful. I mean, obviously we love media fic on this pod. We've done quite a lot of it. Um, but also I love to be in Reed's video game corner. And I think this one hits sort of a different thing than the other video game fics that I've brought. So I am so, so excited to talk about it. Um, and was also excited to bring a video game that both of you have played. How much knowledge you retained about it maybe varies, but like, at least we have all played Stardew Valley. So that was exciting. Um, but yeah, would love to know your thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I have played lots of Stardew Valley. I love Stardew Valley. Um, a thing to know about me, though, Ficklets, is that despite playing many hours of Stardew Valley across like three different farms I have, I am bad at like interacting with like the NPCs. Like I do the st interactions that like I need to progress my game, but I don't do the other ones that are just like for fun where like you find out about their lives and like can romance them and stuff because I'm too busy like building new barns for my cows. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just very invested in like the actual agriculture <laughs> and less so in the like small town goings on. So I I loved this fic. I did find myself a little bit lost because honestly, like, even though I, like, knew who the characters were, I, like, there was just, like, extra lore about them here that, like, you would have gotten if you'd gotten, like, those cutscenes and stuff that, like, I never did. So I didn't really, like, know those things. And then in Elliot's novel, all the characters appear with, like, slightly different names. So then I was really, like, trying to connect the strings like on my bulletin board and I was like I don't know <laughs> so then I sort of just gave up and like let myself read it and have fun that way um but yeah I thought it was super enjoyable I I really just like the premise of the fic and like I I think with a lot of the fics that Reed has brought for various video games but especially this one it is just always interesting to me to see the sort of reversal of when you're playing the game, you are this player character and therefore they and you are the main character of the story and everyone else is a side character. And like, that's how I play Stardew. <laughs> Other people who? I don't know them. <laughs> um, it's just me and my farm. But in these fix, like that is reversed and you become a side character and someone else is the central like point of focus. And I just think that that's always like a really interesting thing to play with. And um, I just liked how effectively this fic did that and how effectively it sort of centered like small town life and the lives of these other people that you do get in the game. But like the game is always really going to be about like you, the farmer. Um, and I just like when fic uh sort of like turns that upside down yeah i really loved this fic elliot slash harvey is not a pairing that really um came to me while i was playing stardew <laughs> valley i have to be honest it, it was unexpected but really fun um yeah i am almost the reverse of brenna in that like my farm is just okay to be honest but i am on good terms with all of the npcs we are friends and it was important to me that we were friends 
Um, and if they were mean to me, I gave them gifts until they were my friends. Um, so I found a lot of joy in the cutscenes and the writing and like following mysteries and stuff and figuring out like who was into who and what happened in the past. Um, so that felt like it was very rewarded by this fic, um, which I appreciated. I still don't have a greenhouse, but I do have knowledge about, you know, Clint and Emily. <laughs> so that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, this was just so good. I loved it so much. I thought the different, like, framing of each piece of media, super great, super clever. Um, I liked the, like, the dialogue. Holy cow, these NPCs were going hard. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, holy cow. They're like, we're in it. Um, I loved that it really showed off Pelican Town as a small town and dug into what that means. Because in the game, the implication is just like, otherwise it's too many people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in here, like, it really showed some of the consequences of being in such a small space uh, with all of these people that you've known your whole life or like moving there when you're older. Like, what does that actually mean for you? So I really, really liked that. It got into, it talked about how, like, the war had impacted things. It's only very vaguely referenced in the game. Like, there were so many little pieces. And it it was such a loving portrayal of what this town could look like if it were real. Or at least realer than it is in the game. Um, It felt super three-dimensional. And just, yeah, the writing in this, the prose, the things that they were saying. I was, like, losing my mind. It was really, really great. Yeah, I think you both touched on it. I think one of the things that made me love this fic, um, and that that has made it stick with me so much, because I read this for the first time, like, five or so months ago. It's just been sort of sitting in the back burner, waiting for the reemergence of Reed's Video Game Corner, but I still distinctly remembered some lines from the fic because they hit that hard. Um, But I, I think one of the things I love so much about it is that it feels very human, um, and like you were saying, Nick, like real and grounded, like two of the other video game fix I brought, um, one about a Pokemon Nuzlocke and one about Breath of the Wild were both phenomenal. The pros on those were also incredible, but they still felt, it felt like intrinsically tied to like the concept of a video game, if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just laughing. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine a version of Ms. Beekman that like feels human. <laughs> But I mean, like, Miss Beekman is human in ways that humans are not. Miss so. <laughs> Beekman's love language is acts of service, yes. as we've determined. Um, no, but I mean, those those fix as like wonderful and poignant as they were, and I and I love them both dearly. Still felt very like. I still felt like I was reading a fic about a video game, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing at all. Like I love those games or the like source material, but with this, I almost felt like it it could have just been. Apart from, like, the reference to, like, the wizard and also, like, a dwarf, like, a, like a creature in the tunnel. Um, apart from those references, like, it really feels like it could have just been a portrayal of a small town. Like, it felt almost like it could have been excerpts from a novel. I don't know. I mean, like, not with the media fic, not with necessarily the formatting, but just the grounded realism of it. Um, and these very, very human interactions. Um, because you get Elliot interviewing people. So Elliot, I guess canonically in the game, he moved to Pelican Town. He did not grow up there, but a lot of the characters did. And so he's just sort of like piecing together town lore to set the stage for his novel, which is called Cormorant Vale. So Pelican is a bird. Cormorant is a bird. Like it's, it's, 
the one-to-one of Elliot's self-insert <laughs> it's a bit is comical. like, oh yeah, he he is taking an art class, and like the person modeling in the art class is Emily. In the novel, it's Melody. Like, mm-hmm. it's she's still she's still modeling. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like it is. You get sort of via um, you know, whatever it is, via an email or an interview, you sort of get the idea of what is actually happening in Pelican Town, and then sometimes you see excerpts from the book that literally are just the same scene. Um, but in these interviews, Elliot is digging into the town lore. There's sort of a subplot of this, like, mystery that he uncovers Uh that, like, Abigail, her parents are Pierre and Caroline, and, like, you find out Pierre, not her biological father, and, like, that is a wild thing that comes up, like, through the book, and then Elliot is like, oh no, I've done something horrible. Uh Uh-huh. And and that is a whole thing that gets revealed in just these like little snippets. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. That's one of my favorite moments in the game where you kind of come to the realization that Caroline and the wizard had an affair and you're like, ah <laughs> Oh, that's why Abigail has naturally purple hair, I guess. Oh, it's yeah, I loved that though, this blurring between fiction and reality. Like it's almost like he wrote it into existence, but it was never about like magic or well, I guess about the wizard magic but it wasn't about him like manifesting it it was about him discovering it because this the story that he's telling is so true but it was never meant to be that true like I feel like that's really his um not to make a pun on Brenna's fic his come to Jesus moment where <laughs> um, he realizes like oh like yeah this is non-fiction essentially and like what what do you do with that um spoilers he publishes the book Mm-hmm. And that's fine, I guess. Uh, he just, he publishes it and then there's a book launch and everyone's there. Also, uh. yeah, I, in this, in this nonfiction fiction. So like, you get scenes of Elliot and Harvey, the doctor, like becoming closer. And then through the lens of other characters, basically you find out like Elliot publishes this book. They mm-hmm. do like a book launch and a reading in the town. And he does a reading and everyone is like, oh, the Elliot self-insert character is in love with the Harvey self-insert character, but in, in like, the quote-unquote real life, they are not together, and so that is a whole thing, like, Abigail and some of the other kids are, like, texting, basically, and they're like, oh my god, you guys, you would never believe it, Harvey was at the reading and he looked, like, so shell-shocked the whole time. It is, like, a, it's so, it's, like, humorous, almost, yes. I think. Something I was thinking about, and, like, I hope this thought is something, like, I hope it comes out in a way that is comprehensible and, like, is, is like, a real idea. But, um, Nick, you were sort of talking about, like, the interaction between, like, the fiction that he's writing and the reality and how it almost feels like he's manifesting mm-hmm. uh, what is actually happening by writing it. And I think, like, this fic presents it as, like, you get that feeling, but in actuality, what's already happened in reality has already happened. Like, Elliot doesn't manifest it. But I was kind of thinking about, like, the nature of video games and, like, how your actions do mm-hmm. fundamentally, like, change the world that you're existing in. And I think Stardew is an interesting example of that because it's not, like, a super complex, like, world that you're inhabiting. And there are just sort of triggers for certain events and like that's sort of how you interact with NPCs is like when you get to this level of friendship then you get like a cutscene where you learn more things but it's but even with that all being built in even with those things ostensibly being reality if you as a player haven't encountered them like are they reality yet like because they don't shape your perception of 
the world that like you are the main character in basically so I was just thinking about like how it's interesting that like Elliot's doing this work of basically like having these realizations and making these reveals in a similar way that you do as like a character or like that you do as a player in Stardew um and how like having those realizations or like having those reveals like does change the world that you're existing in because I think it's interesting too because the thing with Abigail's like who who her father is is a fact that's like being revealed in fiction but does exist in reality mm-hmm. but the getting together of Elliot and Harvey is something that the book is genuinely manifesting because they are not together and then at the end they like yeah, have a yeah. date because he wrote this book where like their character versions of themselves like are in love so I just thought that those were sort of interesting like there's a push and pull between what can he manifest and like what is already there and then like what impact does the fact that this is all a video game where like you are making choices to have these things revealed like how does that fundamentally change like the world you're living in sorry i'm making lots of hand gestures (laughs) which i know don't come across i like them via audio but i can't stop myself yeah unrelatedly ficklets please look out for my book coming out in 2021 (laughs) where i marry um Lolzy. <laughs> yeah. Not to be confused with real celebrity Halsey. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll I, be eagerly anticipating mm-hmm. that release. It's fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wink. For now. <laughs> um, sort of on a different note, but just about the ways in which, I guess, like video game mechanics are made real in this fic. I also was so drawn into the, as we've said, like the depictions of small town life, but how that gets, I guess, enhanced by the video game. So there is a thing in Stardew Valley, the like flower festival, flower dance, I can't remember exactly, where it like can progress like who you are romancing in the game, like there's a whole thing about it. Um, and it's just like, a it's a fun video game mechanic. But in like, in the world of this fic, like it is a very important like courting ritual. Um, and there's a bit where, uh, this is an excerpt from Elliot's book, So it says Everett, but it's Elliot. Mm -hmm. And, like, Lila is the character Leah. Um, There's an excerpt from the book that reads, Everett had dated Lila by the standards of the northern city they both came from. By southern standards, they were only friendships and formal courtships with no in-between status for anything they'd done. The hikes up valley, evenings in the tavern, nights kissing lazily on the beach. Though they were happier and far more compatible as friends, it still stung a little that a local custom insisted they'd never been anything else. And I was like, why is this so aching like for a fic whose concept is elliot is writing a self-insert fic and Mm -hmm. accidentally uncovers some secrets like as we've said the prose goes so hard and stuff like that is like i don't know it's such like an intimate portrayal of this of this small town and of its customs and the way that people's lives are shaped around it and i just found that really really compelling well yeah there's like a moment because in the in the game i almost i my brain went in the show no in the book no (laughs) (laughs) in the game um clint is like the blacksmith and then emily we've talked about her a little bit um she like works at the bar but in the game you you can find out after a while that clint has been harboring this crush on emily but like hasn't done anything about it he's too shy she'll turn him down whatever um and that's just that's just like a little cute thing you know you're like oh i hope they get together someday that'd be cute Mm -hmm. or maybe not i don't know i don't want to speak for you figlets um, but in this fic, there's a moment where Elliot is talking to them about it, and Emily says something like, 
oh, like, I'd be willing to give him a chance, but he doesn't want me. He wants the Emily-shaped hole that he's, like, invented in his head. And it's like, ah! Like, it adds so much depth to these sort of one-off comments or, like, lines of dialogue that you get in the game that are so, like, they talk to you so much if you talk to them. Mm -hmm. And there's these little, little moments that you can pick up on and hold on to. And this author did such an amazing job taking those and expanding them into something real. And that hurts. Yeah. I also just wanted to, like, share a small thing that I loved. Um, Sort of earlier, Bren had said that the, like, the player character, the farmer, is just a side character um, in this fic. So this fic was written for Yuletide uh, 2019, and the um, recipient, their AO3 name is Serenbach, and so in the fic, it's like you get a mention of Farmer Seren, which... I just loved, I thought that was, like, so, so good. Farmer Saren is so cool. Farmer Saren is so cool. There's, like, occult rituals and stuff going on, and I'm like, okay, Farmer Saren. Farmer Saren is, like, practicing with the wizard. Um, You also get, so via this art class that Elliot and some other people have signed up for, including the farmer, um, you get that the farmer and Shane are romantically involved, and then sort of at the very end, Leah is doing a showcase for, like, one of her art pieces, and she also has the art pieces from all her students, and it lists all the names, and... Um, the farmer is married to Shane. Like, they they have the same last name. I just thought it was really cute, like, the integration of the recipient as the farmer and also, like, I think that was, like, a really good way to, um, make a player character feel real because when you have, like, a character that you can name whatever and customize as whatever and all that kind of thing, I think it can be kind of hard to write a fix. It's like, well, this could be anyone or anything. Like, I don't know how this person plays the game, so how do I make this relatable? Um... I just thought it was really sweet. I really enjoyed that. I loved that. I loved that. I saw in the comments too. I like to go comment diving sometimes on our picks. Um, and Farmer Saren themselves showed up and was like, well, I, I guess it makes sense. It's their, it's their gift. Um, but they commented and were like, oh my God, thank you so much. This is amazing. I love Farmer Saren and like love this whole really cute long comment. And the author replied, I love Farmer Saren too. If I end up writing more like in this verse, or, like, in a different verse even, can I keep Farmer Saren as an OC? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's so cute. Fandom is so cute. I really loved that. I hope someday I see Farmer Saren again. I don't know how I'll find it. I guess I could look on this author's page. Okay, I know how I would find it. <laughs> yeah, I figured it out immediately. Go to the AO3 tag Farmer Saren that, like, definitely exists and hasn't yeah. been, like, wrangled by the AO3 tag wranglers for being Mm-mm. too too niche. Yeah. But no, we learned today in the FitClick server, in the FitClick After Dark channel, <laughs> somehow. I don't know how that happened. Um, one of our, our Ficklets named Emma gave a whole like tutorial on mm. how to search for sinned tags which are like they are synonyms they're wrangled i'm learning all kinds of things about ao3 i didn't even see that today but i'm gonna have to go back read because i really want to know that information <laughs> um okay so at the beginning of this we talked about kind of a little bit of our different play styles um so before we leave the realm of stardew valley brenna i was wondering if you had any like farming tips for the ficlets mm. either in game or out of game to be honest <laughs> i feel like you would have out of game farming tips potentially well not to not to bring it back also to our intro about survivor but mm. earlier today we were talking about how we would fare on the show and like sort of what our strengths and weaknesses would be um 
mine I said I'd be good at like challenges that were like climbing and not the swimming but like the other mm-hmm. ones I think I could be decent at if I like gave myself a chance to train for them yeah. Nick said lying lying I also think that if I had uh, if I had time to train I could be good at like long distance running and swimming I've got okay. like the endurance but you did say lying first lying oh, 100% first yeah 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 <laughs> and Bren was like I think I'd be good at like making a shelter and building a fire so I do yeah Bren I agree I think you probably have the best farming tips etc oh god um <laughs> I don't have any real life farming tips. I'm so sorry. Um, I live in a big city and don't really have a yard. <laughs> Not yet. Um, I One day maybe I will have real farming tips for you ficlets. I would love that. But um, I don't know. I haven't played Stardew in a while. Uh, I like mainlined it senior year of college when like I was trying to avoid writing my thesis mm. um, and instead just really developed my Stardew farm. <laughs> While listening to, like, Taz Balance. Like, that's all I did for, like, two months. (laughs) Um, I think one of the biggest things in that game is to work to develop uh, your, like, barn structure for your animals. Because you'll make a lot more money if your animals are happy. Um, And also to work towards building your greenhouse. Because then you can year-round have the most, like, uh, profitable fruits and vegetables. Um, So those would be my tips. But, uh... (laughs) Honestly, just do whatever makes you happy. Like, that's the whole point of Stardew. Oh. God, mainlining Stardew Valley at when you're trying to avoid mm-hmm. life. I did so, the same in high so school. So deeply relatable. Oh, Not I... in high school, in college. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, when did it come out? <laughs> I think that's wrong. In high school, three years ago. God. I, I did it, um, I think one of my, like, longest bouts of just getting absolutely absorbed into Stardew Valley was when I first moved out here mm. and was just petrified about moving across the country to a city where I didn't know anyone and I was like wow instead of like being productive about this big life change what if I just played a whole lot of Stardew Valley (laughs) yeah for me I think it was also my senior year of college Mm. good times this just makes me want to go back to play play Stardew Stardew Valley Valley, I know we'll play Animal Crossing we'll play Stardew Valley yeah come visit my Animal Crossing island first okay okay okay, we will (laughs) while my Halloween decorations are in season (laughs) Okay. Anyway, um, I have greatly enjoyed revisiting Reed's Video Game Corner. Um, I hope you all have as well. This fic, um, I didn't read as many lines, I think, as I normally do, but, like, I do want to emphasize that the prose of this fic is so good, um, and, like, sharp at times. Like, oh, I feel wounded by some of the dialogue between the characters. It is such, such a, like, loving deep dive into Stardew Valley. I think it's so clear how much the author loves this game and wanted to sort of expand upon all of the things that, like, make it enjoyable. Um, so I highly recommend, I really loved it, and if you read it, I hope you do too. So my fic for this week is Names in History by LaGuardier. Um, it might be LaGuardier, but I'm sorry, I'm saying it LaGuardier, so I hope that that's correct. Um, this is a fic for Good Omens. Um, it is a zero fail Crowley, like many of the fics for Good Omens are. Um, if you are unfamiliar with Good Omens, it is a book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett that was also recently adapted into a TV show after like many, many years of people being like, when is this going to be adapted into a TV show? Um, the TV show is like a pretty faithful adaptation. I think that this fic is technically for the book, but like, honestly, if you've read one or watched one, like, I think a lot of the fic will be like consumable to you either way. 
If you don't know what this book is about, it is about a angel named Aziraphale and a demon named Crowley. Um, they've both been around since uh, biblical times, if not like earlier. <laughs> um, it's a little bit unclear as to when things really started. Um, and basically they are like agents of heaven and hell on earth. Um, they ostensibly do work for their sides, but as time progresses, um, they do less and less of that work and more of just like small, small deeds that like meet their quota and the human things that they enjoy. Over this time, they sort of strike a deal to help each other out with like small tasks um, and basically the, the things that they've been given to do by their respective sides. Um, but more than anything, they just become very good friends. Um, in this, heaven and hell are both like bureaucracies and as we progress towards like the modern age, they are more and more removed from the actual like events on Earth and thus Aziraphale and Crowley, who spend all of their time pretty much on Earth, um, become sort of more and more aligned with like the humans. This fic is mostly about like their friendship throughout all of these ages um, up until like the events of the book. The book actually is about uh, stopping the apocalypse, but that's not really represented in this fic. Um, this fic is like pre-book and then ab abruptly post-book. <laughs> so you don't really need to know the events of the book or TV show to read this and enjoy it. Um, yeah, so there's many things I love about this fic, which also overlap with the many things I love about the book. Um, this is one of my favorite books. I have reread it many times. Um, which is kind of rare for me. Um, I definitely enjoyed the TV show when it came out. I think I would have been like fully feral about it if it had been like 2012. The fact that it was like 2019, I was slightly less feral and more just like, oh, my old friends. <laughs> um, I don't think either of you have consumed this story in either format. Um, so I am very interested to hear what you thought of the fic. Yeah, uh, I can confirm very enjoyable, even if you're not familiar with the canon. I know like David Tennant, I knew that. He was in mm -hmm. there somewhere. I don't remember which one he was, but I know Crowley. He was Crowley. Okay, of course. Wow, okay, thanks, Reed. Expert in good omens. Uh, I, I had a Tumblr when the show came out. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, yeah, I, I really, really loved it. Um, I got to a point where I was like, oh, like, they're in love, love. Like, okay. I was, um, I did almost cry. That's not saying much. I've been very weepy today, <laughs> but it was, it made me emotional for sure. Um, I, I loved the sort of narrative tone of it. I loved the callbacks to different moments that they experienced, um, and especially the thoughts about like humanity and love and like what that means and what they are and are not willing to give up for each other and what that ends up really turning into in the face of a potential apocalypse. And I just loved so much about them getting together. I have a lot of feelings about this big. They just like... They spend so much time together and, like, neither of them are, you know, super gung-ho about their side necessarily. Like, you know, they're not betraying or anything, but also, like, you know, they're they're playing hooky together a little bit at points. And it, oh, there's, they just love Earth and each other. I'm losing my mind here. I'm losing my words. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> I would highly recommend it. That's always such a validating feeling for me when I like bring a fic, especially if it's a fic about something that I know you two aren't super familiar with, and yeah. then when you love it, I feel so validated. Oh, totally. 
Yeah. I feel like almost especially when you don't know the canon and it still works and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. slam dunk because I knew the yeah. canon and I didn't know how this was going to land. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Just very, very, very good. Um, I have read part of American Gods, if that counts. I mean, n- no. Um, <laughs> it's a totally different story. Yeah. Well, I just was checking. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, so I c- can confirm as someone who really has no idea what's happening with Good Omens. Um Aside from, you know, angel, demon, banter, fandom wants them to kiss. That's what I knew. So mm-hmm. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I own three Neil Gaiman books. I have read none of them. I have read the beginning of American Gods, I think, three times now. Oh. Um, it's not for lack of enjoying it every time I like it, but then I put it down for too long and I'm like, hold on, hold on. I should just start from the beginning if I'm going to read it. And then I get a little bit further each time, but I have not gotten more than like a quarter into the book. Um, one of the three books I own, though, is Good Omens. And so when Brenna was giving us like a little primer on it, just so we'd have information going into this fic, um, she did say like, you know, like one of the things I love so much about the book and also about this fic is the tone of it and like and the style of writing So if you have a chance, like, maybe peruse a little bit of the book. And so I did. I read the first, like, 20 pages or so of Good Omens. Um, Highly enjoyable. Um, I really liked it. I can easily see why it's a book that a lot of people loved. Um, And same thing with this fic. Like, I I was maybe three paragraphs in when I was like, oh, I understand why fandom latched onto these two so much. Um, I do have to say that I think this fandom has always been sort of in my periphery. Um, As I said, I own the book and I did buy it with the intention of reading it because I thought I would like it. Um, And then the show came out in 2019 and I was like, oh, like maybe I'll like read the book first before I watch it. And then I like knew that was not going to happen. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll get around to the show. But I, I feel like maybe both of you have also had this experience at some point where I became oversaturated with a fandom I wasn't in. And so I went from being like, oh, like, this seems like a show I'd really like to, like, to to muting it on my Tumblr dashboard, <laughs> even though ostensibly I think I would like it. I was like, I've had enough. I've had enough of this good omens that I've never seen. Um, but now that it's been enough time and because I really loved this fic, I am considering coming back to it, like, maybe giving the show a chance or at the very least reading the book. Because as I said, the beginning that I read was quite enjoyable, but... Yeah, I mean, I think that's super fair, Reed, about, like, being oversaturated. I've absolutely had that feeling. And I think I almost, like, I almost kind of had that feeling when the show came out for this, because not from any, like, lack of liking the characters, because I loved the book, but the show had been in development for so long and had been, like, a sort of a premise, like, had sort of been, like, a possibility on the horizon for so long that by the time it finally rolled around, I was sort of like, okay, like, I can't really, like, feel feral about this at this point in time. Like, like I said, I think I would have been, like, so deep in it if it was, like, 2012 and I was, like, fully in, like, the Tumblr abyss of, like, the, like, <laughs> like white British men who everyone ships together. <laughs> but I think what, like, I've enjoyed about reading a few, like, Good Omens fix more recently is that they reminded me, like, what I truly loved about the book in the first place. Like, because... The romance is good, and I think the story itself is romantic. Like, they don't get together in the book or in the TV show, but there is this undercurrent of, like, they are the most important people in each other's lives. They have sort of sacrificed a lot to make that the case, and, like, there are still things holding them back from sort of, like, living the lives that they want to live in, like, a lot of different regards. Um, And I think the book and show are kind of about, like, 
them overcoming some of those things. I mean, some of those things are literally like heaven and hell that they (laughs) distance themselves from, but in a more metaphorical sense. Um, So, I mean, I think like the romance is like very much like present in the stories. I just like didn't feel the burning need to like read a ton of getting together like stories for them like I did in some other fandoms I've been in. Um, But I think like the fix that I've read in recent months when I've kind of read a few more Good Omen stories, like, the romance is very satisfying. Like, yes, I love that part. But the part I love more is, like, when authors do a really good job of, like, picking up on the themes of, like, what does it mean to be human? Like, what is good about being human? Like, what is it beyond, like, good and evil and sin and all of that that, like, actually defines humanity and, like, makes humanity compelling and worthwhile and worth saving? Um, And I think this fic does a really good job of tapping into those questions. And, like, that's why I love it. Because, like, Good Omens very much is, like, a collaboration between these two authors and I think having read others of their work like Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett you can really see that and I think Good Omens combines a lot of like Neil Gaiman's like ability to kind of do like world building and lore with stuff that already exists in our world like with our mythos or like in this case biblical stories um with like Terry Pratchett's way of sort of making you have these like realizations about humanity through like metaphors and character work and just this sort of like criticism of things humanity does but with always like a deep compassion towards what humanity could be and the potential for it like oh that's what's so good about it that's what like just what I loved about this fic is like Aziraphale's realizations throughout like millennia (laughs) of like what does it actually mean to be human and like what does he relate to and what is he so drawn to about humans and humanity yeah, I totally picked up on that, Bren, because I think, like, I'm not really familiar with Gaiman's work and Pratchett's even less, to be honest. Um, but, I mean, like, I read a little bit of American Gods, if that counts, but... Um... <laughs> this is your second time saying that. And, like, I, I mean, in, in in this instance, it counts okay, more yeah, than the counts, last time. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it was, it was really cool. I think there was, it, it, it tugs at you a little bit when you when you read these things about humanity and love and, like... I don't know, not to talk about Ms. Beekman again. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but just, I don't know, thinking about what it, like, if you're not human and you're looking at humans, like, what would you notice? What would you pick up? Clearly very different things from <laughs> Ms. Beekman and Aziraphale and Crowley. Just to be honest, I mean, I feel like Ms. Beekman would look at Aziraphale and Crowley and be like, weak, puny, I'll kill you. Um, and that would be valid. I feel like there's some sort of, like, Thick click extended lore Venn diagram that is happening here, where like one circle is Ms. Beekman, mm. one circle is Xerophil and Crowley together, and I don't really know what the third circle is yet, but it's there, and and somewhere in the middle is like accursed observations on humanity. Yeah, the third one we just haven't discovered yet. Yeah, we've got time. I feel like I feel like Xerophil and Crowley are so like compassionate towards humanity, and like so filled with love for it that like Ms. Beekman does not feel no. Yeah. I, it's just it's just a lens through Your which to view humanity. Flawed, no, I said I said an mm. observation of humanity. I didn't say okay. how how those observations went. Well, right. you said like a cursed a cursed mm-hmm. observation. Mm. That's fair. I mean, I don't know. Out of your semantic well, hole. is is Crowley seducing uh, William Shakespeare not a little bit accursed? Like I would argue a little bit. I mean, like 
when you say it like that, yes, but I think in the context of this fic, like, no? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, okay, fair enough. It's the same as me having read part of American Gods. It depends on the context if it counts. That was the wildest callback. Anyway, uh, okay. what, I, what I meant to say uh, is, is that I think it is really cool to pull back and, and see what observations authors have about, you know, humanness. Uh, in this case, it's LaGuardier's observations via Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, um, or maybe with the assistance featuring featuring Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. It's like a band. Um, <laughs> but I just really liked it, and like the the I, the whole bit with like David and Jonathan were those their names? Yeah, um, biblical stuff, you know. But like that bit really got me, and. Crowley being Antonio and or Anthony and Aziraphale having this conversation with this like kid who's in this Satanists club that he's infiltrating to keep an eye on to make sure they don't actually start worshiping Satan for real. <laughs> Just like that conversation where this kid was like, oh, like, don't worry, like, give it time. Like, what was his name? And Aziraphale goes, Anthony. And you can tell like, he's LARPing as a human in that moment. <laughs> Um, and like feeling the feelings and like really emulating the things that he's noticed about humanity and the things he's respected and cherished about humanity for all of these years. That scene to me was just one of the most like essential scenes when we're talking about the worldview that this fic portrays. I loved it so much. Yeah. And I think like this fic does a good job of, of making the sort of same point that I think the canon does that like. The reason why Aziraphale and Crowley, like, both can't really fully get along with, like, their respective sides is because, like, they do have this, like, propensity towards, like, being human in a lot of ways. Like, they are definitely also, like, not human, um, but, like, there's so many things that they pick up over the, like, millennia that they're living on Earth that are human and, like, that they love about being human in some way um and I think that that like sort of tenderness towards humanity is is really good and like okay I'm gonna say something that is horribly on brand and you two are both gonna like yell at me for <laughs> but I think fundamentally one of my favorite types of stories is a story where you get an examination of what it means to be human from the perspective of like a human juxtaposed with something that is nearly human but not. This is why I love science fiction about AI. <laughs> Go on. And this fact provides that same feeling where it's like the tension between what makes Aziraphale and Crowley human versus what makes them not human is like where we get this like meditation on humanity and it's like potentiality for good and for like love and for all of these like nice things because neither of them like love everything humanity is doing like that's never the point and like humans do messed up evil things but I think they also both see this like I mean I just keep using the word potential but like potential <laughs> for like what humanity can be because they've had all these examples too over the years of like just individual people who are so like good but also just deeply human and that comes with flaws but that like is what makes it better in a lot of ways and I think this fic is also about Aziraphale and Crowley realizing that like their own flaws are part of what makes them human in their like inhuman ways yeah it's just like iRobot <laughs> yeah. watching Brenna swallow like swallow her tongue <laughs> oof <laughs> I mean no I set myself up so I can't criticize yeah, yeah. 
Ex Machina, the disco scene, that could have yeah, been this, in this fic. This fic is just like the dancing scene in Ex Machina. <laughs> you are not wrong. Yeah. Can I go on an entirely different track? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> You're not bullying Brenna? Oh, just also, um, away from the humanity. Oh. Um, mm. to a different topic, which is, quite often, fic authors will tag their fics slow burn. Mm-hmm. But what this fic has made me think is, is it really slow burn if your characters are not pining over millennia? Like, oh my god, the the pining of this fic? I started, like, so my typical process when I read fics for fic, like, is, like, I, I will copy and paste, like, little lines and I'll, like, sort of make, like, little reactions to them and then, like, later I will consolidate them into good notes. My reactions to this fic started out, like, semi-thoughtful. I mean, sometimes kind of whack, but, like, I had things to say. My last, like, six or seven notes are literally just different variations of me going, I am soft, I am feral, I am tender, like... Their getting together was so, ah, like I'm literally just screaming. So there, there's a bit where there's all of this tension and buildup and trust and relationship and they kiss and we're in Crowley's POV and he's like, I can't do this because if we keep going down this path, I'm going to corrupt Aziraphale. Like literally like Aziraphale is going to lose his connection, like to being an angel, like he's going to fall and Aziraphale would be miserable as a demon and like I can't be the thing that causes that so he pulls back and he says all of these just like horrific things to target exactly what he knows will like make Aziraphale like recoil from him and then they don't see each other for an entire century and it's so oh my god like the bit where Crowley was like like basically like would you betray like heaven for me and like Aziraphale can't say yes and Crowley's basically like yeah, point made, and then walks out of his life for 100 fucking years. Crowley, are you kidding me? Okay, he I'm fine. He has to walk out without saying anything, because he's gonna cry. This is why all of my notes literally at the end were just me going like, I'm tender, I'm feral, I'm feral, yeah. over and over again. Well, and when Crowley comes back after all of those years, and he's expecting Aziraphale to be so angry and unforgiving, but he just says that he's happy to see him, because he missed him for so long. That's really one of my favorite scenes in this fic is like Crowley coming back to Aziraphale's bookshop and like expecting them to have this big like fight about how Crowley left things and like how he's been gone for a hundred years and he's like, Aziraphale, aren't you upset with me? And Aziraphale's like, yes, but like, I didn't know if something bad had happened to you. Like I got over that so long ago and then I just missed you. So like, I'm happy you're back. Um, And then... Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. (laughs) There's this exchange between them in that scene where Crowley's like, a hundred years is a long time, even for us. Yes, it is, Aziraphale said, but it's only time. I haven't changed. And like, oh my god! (laughs) I just feel myself losing it at that scene because it's like, like, it is a long time, but like, I don't know, there's something about like the, but it's only time, like, it's not anything that's actually like changing him fundamentally it's he's he's okay to wait like it's not pleasant but what comes after the waiting is better like I don't know I'm upset can I also just read this one part that made me want to lose my whole mind it's yeah well I'm going to anyway too bad okay there's a bit like so basically like just before the apocalypse is supposed to happen they kind of decide like fuck it if the world's gonna end like we might as well let ourselves have this um and 
they, they like go to bed together and they wake up the next morning and Crowley's like, do you ever wish we had been ordinary? And Aziraphale's like, no. And he like goes on this like whole spiel. He's like, I don't even think we would have met like blah, blah, blah. And Crowley's like, please shut up. This is not the point. <laughs> um, and then the fic reads, we could have been happy. We would have found somewhere. We could have been, I don't know, goat farmers. And I don't know why this fucked me up so badly, but like, I think because maybe I would have expected that line to come from like Aziraphale, but the fact that it's Crowley who's like, what if we had just been ordinary people allowed to love one another and and have something as domestic and sweet as being goat farmers what if together? What they went to Pelican Town? <laughs> My literal note is, ah, oh, yes, the gay urge to run away to the countryside and have a farm, yeah. and you're just proving my point. Literally, though, like, sorry, I, I don't have any, like, coherent thoughts about the last quarter of this fic because mm. it's just me losing my fucking mind. It's so romantic and like tender and <laughs> horrible <laughs> but like horrible in like the best way possible like when i say horrible i mean horrible for like my emotions yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um the last thing i wanted to touch on and this sort of goes back to like what i've been yelling about this whole time which is just like what does it mean to be human <laughs> but there's sort of this through line of like aziraphale struggling with like his individuality which i really loved in this fic basically at some point in, like, the, the middle of this timeline, <laughs> um, Aziraphale talks to um, Gabriel, and he's like, can angels sin? And Gabriel's like, well, you'd know if you had, but, like, you still gotta keep an eye out. And then uh, he basically tells Aziraphale, like, the most dangerous thing for an angel is to, like, become an individual removed from, like, sort of the, the heavenly like, group. <laughs> um, there's, like, a word, but I can't think of it. The, um, the plan? The plan, but like, no, there's like also a name just like for the squad. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like removed from like your conglomerate. Like, than... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with the way that it functions in this book, yes. <laughs> um, no, but then Aziraphale like kind of worries about this, you know. Um, and he says he wondered if he felt like an individual, whether he would know if he did. He was part of the heavenly host, of course. But wasn't he also Aziraphale, who had been in Eden and watched over the flood and witnessed the judgment of the cities of the plain? And, like, then he asks Crowley if, like, Crowley thinks he's an individual. And Crowley's like, yeah? <laughs> but, like, Aziraphale's struggle, I think, with that concept and his, like, acceptance of being an individual, I think, is, like, one of the things that, like, hit me hardest for this, because I think that that's another thing where it's, like, that it's something that is so hard as a human to know that you are an individual, but to also struggle with wanting to be part of something bigger and then also not wanting to be part of it. I think that's something that Aziraphale represents in a really poignant way in this fic. Um, just, like, I know, I just keep going back to, like, he's not human but all of these ways that he like represents humanity so well but I think it's exactly in these struggles with things like individuality and personhood um that that comes through most strongly for me and yeah I just love it I feel like when I first read this book in like middle school I was totally a Crowley stan I was like Crowley is my boy now at like 25 I'm like a zero fail <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, his, like, anxiety about everything, his, like, need to, like, rationalize and, like, reason everything out, his, like, want to just sit alone with his books and, like, his thoughts and his tea, like, yes, that's incredibly relatable. 
And on that somewhat feral note for me, uh, that was Names in History by LaGuardier. Um, I would highly recommend it if you like Good Omens the book or the TV show. Also, just if you are interested in any of the things that we touched upon here or want to feel tender, feral, and gay, like this will do it for you, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, really enjoyed talking about this one. Uh, I'm glad my co-host did too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to find us um, on other places on the internet, you can find us on Twitter or Tumblr at FitClick. You can email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We also have a Discord server that we talk about almost every episode, um, with good reason, I think, because it is a very fun and good place. Um, lots of good folks hanging out, talking about fic and fandom and their pets and plants and baking and all that good stuff. Um, so if you'd like to join that, you can do so through our pinned tweet on our Twitter. Um, we also have merch. We have merch that is designed by Brenna. It Ooh. is very cute and good. Um, you can find that on our Redbubble. Also, the link is uh, in our pinned tweet on our Twitter. Mm -hmm. We host a bunch of events that are not, like, directly related to the show, but also, you know, it's the FitClick community. We're doing things. Um, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out or the day after, you still have the tiniest bit of time to hop on our November Fic Brunch. We are going to be chatting about an untamed fic. We're super excited about it. Uh, the info for that is in our Discord server. If you miss it, that's fine. We try to do it monthly. Um, it's pretty much what we do here on the show, except it's everyone talking together as a community. So if you're like, hey, I could be a fit click host, that's your chance. Um, aside from that, we are currently hosting our Rec Exchange, which is our big holiday event. So... All the info for that should be on our social media. Go check it out if you're interested in recommending fan fiction to other people and receiving tailored recommendations. Signups for that will close pretty soon. So if Very you are soon. interested and haven't gotten your sign up in yet, go do so. Um, it was so, so much fun to do last year and we are very excited for it this year again. Bigger and better than ever. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, which I hope you do because you made it all the way through this episode, yeah. <laughs> uh, please leave us a review, uh, mostly on Apple Podcasts, but a few other sites have that option as well. Um, we love hearing from you. It makes our day, but it also helps us boost our visibility. Um, also, if you're on Twitter or Tumblr and want to give us a reblog or a retweet for an episode you liked, uh, things like that that help reach your friends, uh, potential other fans, that means a lot to us. And that is the best way for us to get new listeners. Um, so our next episode is going to be a little bit different than a usual one. Um, we are taking a little bit of a break ourselves <laughs> from recording for the month of November uh, because things are hectic and we needed it. But we have a pre-recorded mini-sode that we recorded over the summer. Um, it is about author-beta relationships. That will be coming out on November 27th, so keep an eye out for that. We'll obviously be posting about it on our socials as per usual. Um, and then we'll be back in December with a uh, new episode in our usual format. Um, hope to see you then and thanks for listening. Bye! Bye.